This week, we welcome Dan DeClos, the president and CEO at PlexTrack, to talk about how, uh, how to improve pen testing outcomes with purple teaming. In our second segment, we welcome Ambuj Kumar, the CEO and co-founder of Fortinix, to discuss the keys to your kingdom, protecting data in hybrid and multiple public clouds. In the security news, car hacking hits the streets. Four ring employees are fired for spying on customers. MITRE ATT&CK uh, presents the ICS uh, aspect of the MITRE ATT&CK framework. Las Vegas, su Las Vegas suffers cyber attack on the first day of CES. All that and more on this episode of Paul's Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where exploits run wild, packets aren't the only things getting sniffed, and the cocktails flow steady. It's Paul's Security Weekly. The question is simple. Have any of the systems on my network been compromised? The answer is harder than it should be. Enter AI Hunter. Active Countermeasures has automated and streamlined techniques used by the best pen testers and threat hunters in the industry to create AI Hunter, a network threat hunting solution that does the first pass of a hunt for you to identify systems that are most likely to be compromised and scores the results on a scale from 0 to 100. You can then research those systems in depth with AI Hunter. Focus your valuable time on the systems that need your expertise with AI Hunter. Sign up for a personal demo today at securityweekly.com forward slash ACM. This message is brought to you by Spirion. The data privacy revolution is the new age of protecting what matters most. Automatically and persistently discover and classify sensitive data with the most accurate solution on the planet. Understand the data within the context of your business and then take actions to control that data so you can operate with minimal friction and comply with the laws and regulations built to protect the personal data privacy of individuals across the globe. This is Spirion, protecting what matters most. Visit them on the web at securityweekly.com forward slash Spirion. Oh, hey, welcome to the show. But first, let me ask you, yeah, let me ask you, no, let me introduce you to a guy who smells kind of sticky, Posidorian. Hey, welcome everyone to Paul's Security Weekly. It's episode 634, recorded January 9th, 2020, right here in G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, which is where Mr. Larry Peche is sitting with me. I am. At the table. At the round table. At the round table, yes. Very nice, very nice. I like your yeah. shirt. Thank you. Faceless Han Solo. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I got it for Christmas. From uh, apparently my wife got it at five below. That's awesome. So like, all right. All right. <laughs> Retro. Uh, Lee's got a very interesting shirt on. He's uh, remotely this evening. Uh, Lee, welcome. Ah, oh, great to be here. Uh, back at home for this week, and uh, yes, my wife got me a button-down Oxford tie-dye shirt. Uh, just to be different, normally a Friday kind of shirt, and I thought this was a great day to wear it. Absolutely. Mr. Jeff Mann is here with us. You're in a different location, Mr. Jeff Mann. I am. My uh, wife and I snuck off to the beach. for. Uh, she's she's doing scrapbooking all weekend, and I'm basically doing the heavy lifting and the driving. And I'm like, you know, I'm working remotely. I might as well be at the beach. There you go. Yep. Fantastic. But you, you look more like oh, a hotel. I, I have a t-shirt on, too, that just oh, talks about no. Oh, look at Good that. Stuff. But, nice. but, Jeff, you don't look like you're at the beach. You look like you're in a hotel room there, buddy. Well, technically, I am at a hotel room, and if it was daytime and the window was open, I'd be staring at the ocean. Cool. So, so I'm, an, I'm in an oceanfront room. Very nice. 
Very jealous. Join us at InfoSec World 2020, March 30th through April 1st at the Disney Contemporary Resort. Security Weekly listeners get 15% off the InfoSec World Main Conference or World Pass. Visit info, uh, not visit securityweekly.com forward slash ISW2020 uh, and click the register button to apply our discount code. Uh, Matt Alderman and I will be hosting a day-long container security uh, summit, as well as lots of interesting talks happening at the conference. Uh, so I'm already prepping for our uh, day of container security by bashing my head against the wall with various configurations that I'm experimenting <laughs> with. Just don't try and use Docker secrets. Right now. It's just <laughs> not good right it's, now. It's not. Well, I mean, you could make it work, but not in the like right configuration. You know what I mean? Like I want this feature and that feature, and like that recipe doesn't just doesn't bring it all together. In any case, Daniel DeClos is here with us. He's the founder and CEO of PlexTrack. We welcome him back to the program this evening. To talk about pen testing and purple teaming. Dan, welcome. Hey, thanks, Paul. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having me. Yes, nice to have you back on the show. Now, the landing page, securityweekly.com forward slash PlexTrack, which I think probably redirects to your uh, website, correct? And um, you've got some special stuff for our listeners. Uh, We talked about a lot of things in prep for this segment. Um, (laughs) You've got some white papers and cheat sheet kind of information. You've got some demo videos. Uh, You're giving us a free month to the product. So fill us in on, on all that. Yeah, so I mean, we do have, um, you know, some videos out there now that uh, kind of highlight some of the newer features and we're, we can run through some of those new features uh, later in the segment, but um, definitely uh, offering a free month subscription to PlexTrack for uh, Security Weekly listeners um, and got all kinds of uh, new content, uh, new website actually since we last spoke, so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, heading into RSA, we're actually going to have a, another white paper that we'll release uh, and it'll include some cheat sheet information as well, so... Um, lots of lots of new stuff going on. Lots of exciting things here at PlexTrack. So. That's awesome. Um, it, the the cheat sheet stuff is that it was that on purple teaming. I I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, we're we're developing a purple teaming white paper and and not quite ready to release it yet. So uh, I know we had talked about that, but we're ready to uh, we'll we'll have it ready in 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 uh, prep for RSA and a lot of the things we'll talk about today. You know, we'll kind of cover in the in the in the in the white paper. Fantastic. Um, I think that purple teaming definitely, uh, you know, came up during our state of pen testing roundtable as one of the advancements in pen testing, I would say, that is getting away from, I think, some of the, you know, folks that want to take the opposite uh, viewpoint of pen testing and say, well, it's, it's not effective because, and typically the argument is, pen tester just comes in, they break into a bunch of stuff. They write a report, they give you the report, and then, then, they, then they go away, and that's it. And there's no time spent with the pen tester uh, between red and blue teams that might exist in the enterprise, and that report is just a state in time uh, and just kind of gets emailed around and they may or may not fix stuff, right? I think purple teaming and tools like PlexTrack were some of my arguments against that uh, in our roundtable. So, uh, Dan, if you'd like to elaborate. Yeah, no, I thought that was a good segment. I thought it was a really interesting discussion, you know, and I think that everybody has, you know, purple teaming itself is kind of a different uh, term, right? That some more of the, you know, traditional security professionals may not still be familiar with, you know, even though in the pen testing community, we use the term a lot. I think a lot of people throw it around a lot. 
Um, to us at PlexTrack, you know, it really means that that genuine collaboration between the red and the blue teams, uh, where it's whether it's an internal team or an external team, uh, and you know, like you mentioned in that in that segment um, over the holidays, that you know, there's there needs to be a lot more collaboration, you know, with the with the true consultative nature that pen testers provide. I think. Um, early on, you know, some of us got got away with just saying, "Hey, we found this cool stuff. You should go fix it, right?" And uh, and that doesn't work, right? And and you know, my experience, you know, having been on the red team side, you know, is like you want to actually provide actionable information that people can go and take and learn from, as well as improve their security posture. Then, having been on the blue team, it's like I want to collaborate with these professionals, these experts that are finding these complicated ways to exploit vulnerabilities in our network and work with them and help them understand for the rest of the team how we can fix these things. And that that truly is the general concept for purple teaming that we take here at PlexTrack and why PlexTrack can be such a valuable platform for, for that type of engagement. Absolutely. And <clears throat> when you say collaboration between red and blue teams, those can be external or internal red teams, right? Because in your experience with providing the software, it's a mixture, correct? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, we supply to enterprises that have their own internal uh, red teams or assessment teams. I mean, truly PlexTrack can support any kind of assessment. And I think that's kind of why the, the purple concept starts to kind of uh, get a little blended is that even if it's not a penetration test, but if it's a uh, a deeper dive in a risk assessment or a framework-based assessment, you can still do those. And now you have all this information that you can just continue to aggregate into one source and then be able to provide analytics on. So it helps the blue team in uh, centralized metrics and, and reporting up the chain to the board and, and any executive staff. Uh, and so th- those are the kinds of uh, the customers that we support are both external teams that are using it not only for just a, a, a really good report writing tool, but being able to collaborate with their customers uh, as well. And what, one of the things that I really like about the purple teaming exercise is, you know, you can say, well, I've got, I've got this attack. And the blue team's like, okay, I saw that. And then the red teamer can be like, wait, hold on, let me just change that a little bit and then see if it gets in. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that, that, definitely, that definitely got in. And then the red teamer and blue team can be like, well, let's change this configuration. Let's rerun the same attack. And then let's modify it again, right? Like that style of testing that goes beyond automated tools. And don't get me wrong automated tools give you a tremendous amount of value you, you, but you need to use some automation yes absolutely but that manual testing and iterating through the offense and defense in real time i think is one of the great values of purple teaming does the does the question of how the hell did you do that come up much in other words teach me how that worked in the first place or is that too too low level for what the kind of teams you're dealing with? No, I, I think what we established certainly in the roundtable discussion was that a good penetration test, specifically a purple team exercise, is the blue team learning how the attacks work, right? I mean, that's a part of being on a blue team, right? Dan, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, 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 part, of the part of what you're – uh, as a blue team, you're paying for is to educate your team, right? Is to is to be able to say like, hey, how are you doing this, and then be able to take that back and and be able to replicate it to some degree. You know, hopefully, hopefully you have um, talent on the blue team that can say like, okay, I I know some of the general concepts. I can now take this back. And so we've we've paid a, a good 
uh, for a, a really high quality assessment, you know, maybe an annual assessment. And then, you know, the next three quarters out of the year, our blue team can try and replicate some of these uh, activities, you know, some of the miter attack techniques and things like that to then be able to improve and, you know, kind of, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, so to speak, so that the, the high quality and high caliber pen, uh, purple team engagement helps educate the blue team throughout the year. Yeah, what I like too is, you know, the blue team maybe has configured something and the red team is testing it and then the blue team goes, uh, okay, well, let me like update it and change this configuration and then it makes it a little harder, uh, but it's still exploitable. And I think, you know, when you go back and forth so many times, I can foresee the situation where the red and blue team just think, all right, like, let's stop. The blue team goes, I need to just rethink my entire strategy around that, right? And so, like, one of the projects that I'm working on, sorry, I stepped on my mute button. One of the projects I'm working on is, you know, how to protect uh, containerized environments. And you start looking at all the different options for, uh, you know, trusting images and secrets. And there's, like, levels, right? So there's, like, one way to protect the secrets. Then there's the native Kubernetes way. And I know that, like, those aren't great, right? And blue teams, that might be what they're stuck with. And then you're going to reach a point where you go, yeah, like, we just we need to just do a whole new vaulting system, which requires, like, a re-architecture and a new project. And what I like about this purple team exercise with PlexTrack is you can just put all that in the system and go, this is what we did. This is the interim defensive steps, and there's a new project that we're tracking, so let's come back to that when this is done, right? Do you, do you see people do that? I hope you see people getting to that level, Dan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, that's that's the valuable aspect of having it being a living thing, right? So it's not just a, a, a report uh, that, you know, you wait six weeks to get back from the consultant, you know, or, or however long it takes, you know, uh, because some of these things can be pretty complex and comprehensive. And so you can be writing the report and you can be having this ongoing collaboration in real time. <clears throat> and also some, some, some of our customers, you know, they will be on engagements for, for many, many weeks. Uh, and so they can actually report things, you know, as they progress and, and the blue team can immediately start to begin to work and fix on that. And they can have that collaboration, even if it's not like, you know, we're sitting next to each other, but over the course of a few weeks, you know, you can go in into the analytics module and see everything that's changed. And then you can add a status update and say, Hey, we've, you know, we've, uh, you know, moved this in process because these are the new defense mechanisms that we feel we've put in. Can you retest this? So. Uh, yeah, we definitely see people doing that, and that's that's one added value for uh, having this this uh, this living living report, right? Yeah, and and some defensive mechanisms are much easier to implement than others. Like, oh, I'm going to use this host based firewall. I'm going to add this other product. Like, even adding some type of agent based or module based uh, security protection, either in your containers or on your work. That's, I mean, today that's really it's pretty easy to get it, you know, implemented, but maybe not fully configured. But then you get to, we need to like drastically change something, right? We need to do a big project in Active Directory. We need to move these pieces of Active Directory up into the cloud, into Azure, right? And, and rethink some of the aspects of how our directory is configured. And you can track all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, the important point there is prioritize it as well. Like once you identify that, then using tools like PlexTrack and maybe some other integrations to help prioritize those efforts because not everything has the same level of priority. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's, and that's really the end goal is, is to be able to every day have someone log in and say, these are the, these are the high priority items I need to be working on today. Um, I think you kind of highlighted it in that, in that other segment is that there's, there's a lot of just daily hygiene issues in the cybersecurity, you know, in our industry, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, there's no doubt. And so, you know, whether, a com- whether a company is ready for a pen test or not, I mean, I think, you know, you guys covered, you know, all angles of that pretty well, but I mean, at the end of the day, if they get, if they're getting a pen, pen test, it's going to highlight the things that they're not doing well and, and really having a consulting firm or, you know, a trusted advisor come alongside and say like, these are the things, these are the processes and procedures that need to be in place uh, to really improve your overall technical capability for preventing these things. Uh, and that's what we, what we aim to try and, and show with Plextrack is like, this is the priority, you know, and, and you don't lose sight of those issues either, right? So an issue that's a low or a medium today um, could end up being a high or a critical tomorrow, right? And mm-hmm. so trying to constantly be aware of like, hey, these were the things that we were uh, tracking before. What's the status? How are we, how are we doing? Um, and do we need to escalate this, um, you know, in, in, in a higher priority? Yeah, that reassessment of the priority, I think, is is really critical today. And I also think that the, the findings from the pen tester that go beyond maybe what's already included in MITRE ATT&CK and what goes beyond, you know, basic patching, that's not why you should be having a pen test, right? Because <laughs> a lot of that stuff you can test on your own, yeah. right? You, know, you, you just well, have to have um, the time I- and the expertise to do it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Paul, because I'm I'm kind of noodling over that as as I'm listening to us talk and and sort of reading the description in the wiki, uh, and and I was trying to figure out a, a polite way of saying, what, <laughs> uh, you know, because the 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 setup is you know the pen testing and in in whatever form it's happening is producing vulnerabilities, and of course my first thought is pen test shouldn't produce vulnerabilities, but let's be optimistic and say, well, they're reporting on vulnerabilities that are a result of threading vulnerabilities together and, act- and actually, uh, you know, exploiting things that are still in the in the network that you know about already, because there's other ways to identify vulnerabilities. So I guess the question that I was curious about asking is, what does PlexTrack do in terms of uh, helping with remediation in terms of recommendations uh, in lieu of or beyond simply, you know, and, and the thing that I'm most familiar with is like a Nessus output where it says install the patch or, you know, change a configuration or do something like that. What, what does PlexTrax do, or maybe it does similar things, to, in order to uh, make recommendations about remediation? Yeah, no, great question. And I mean, first and foremost, we're, we're a data aggregator, you know, we don't, we don't supply content through the platform, right? So, so we empower the testers to write their own reports. And so we, you know, we, we don't, we may, we do have a write-ups database that has some pre-built content from other sources. It's not our content, um, things like Nessus and Burp and those kinds of things that they provide their own recommendations. So that can be a starting point for, for analysts or testers that are, that are creating reports. Uh, but when, but first and foremost, PlexTrack, you know, spawned out of being a, a pen test reporting tool. Um, so making, making the report writing process easier and faster and more efficient, uh, and then being able to deliver those reports. So, so we, you know, we would definitely rely heavily on, well, solely on the, the people generating those reports to be writing those recommendations. And that, and that's kind of what comes back to my comment around, you know, that the, 
one of the main goals of a pen test and a purple team engagement itself is that you're, you've hired this trusted advisor not only to find the exploitable weaknesses in your environment, but to help come alongside you and educate you on how you can fix those. And so that's where those recommendations would come in. Yeah, and I also think beyond vulnerabilities, the, what, what I've gathered, especially recently, is about testing certain techniques. And while you may have, a let's say, a breach and attack simulation tool that's testing a technique from, let's say, MITRE ATT&CK, a, a pen tester may come in and maybe use some other different vulnerabilities, expose some other kind of configuration and go, yeah, like these specific uh, tools and techniques, you know, TTPs, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, you're safe against, but if I change this or use this or get this piece of data from this other thing, then I can totally have that, you know, find that path and, and be successful and then work with the team to say, okay, well, how do we, how do we shut that down? How do we make, uh, you know, that path much harder to go down? That's a, a well-known path, but there's different ways. You, you can walk down the path, Jeff. You could run. You could skip, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess it's a really bad analogy. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, whatever floats your boat, Paul. Uh, and, and I have a, just a silly, and, and I like to play the ask the stupid question role, but, uh, you know, I think we all work on the assumption that we know what we're talking about, for, but for the benefit of the listening audience that may not know what we're talking about, uh, what is the basic definition, and I'm sure that there's more than one, but for the purposes of our discussion, what exactly is a purple team? Oh, that's a great, yeah, no, that's a great question. And and so at PlexTrack, you know, we take a little bit more abstract view, right? So, I mean, I think traditionally uh, purple team engage, I mean, purple teaming came out of kind of like just a, a sole purple team engagement where you've got a red team conducting a penetration test type exercise against, against an enterprise or a network. And they mm -hmm. may be either sitting with a blue team or sitting across the table with a blue team or, you know, having a virtual kind of session where it's like, Hey, we're trying this out. We're trying this attack technique. And the blue team saying, okay, I'm not, we're not seeing anything in the logs. We're not seeing anything in any alarms or, you know, hopefully maybe they're saying, yeah, Hey, you know what, we're catching that. Or the, the red team saying, Hey, we're, our payload's not executing because you know, your, your defensive ha defenses have, uh, have stopped it. So like the purple team is mm -hmm. truly that concept of red and blue mixing together to make purple. Right. <laughs> but, um, but, the, know, but the idea it, essentially is that there's collaboration, it's interactive, it's, it's, they're actively involved in the process. It isn't simply, or maybe this is a variation where you hire a red team or you have a red team that starts an engagement and you're waiting to see the, if the blue team even detects the activity. Exactly. That, that, yeah. And, that, yeah. And, that, and that's what I would say is a traditional purple team engagement. Um, we kind of mm -hmm. try to take it a, a step further in that the purple team is truly an ongoing thing. Right. And so whether, whether you've hired an external uh, company to, to do, you know, routine red team type exercises against your environment, uh, or you have an internal red team doing those those exercises, PlexTrack is, is really aimed to facilitate that collaboration on an ongoing basis, right? So you can have a, a consolidation of all the reports or all the engagements over time, be able to track those analytics. Um, you know, we just added a tagging functionality, which is great, and we'll show you here in a sec, but. Um, you know, that, that you can then, you know, begin to say like, hey, we've tagged these findings that are respective to lateral movement within the MITRE attack, you know, MITRE attack tactics. So now we can run analytics and see, see where we're weak or strong based on those tags, right? So I didn't mean to cut you yeah, off. I have one, 
No, that's fine. No, I appreciate that. I have one last question, and it, and it's kind of based on one of the stories that I found that I included. And we'll hopefully we'll talk about in the news segment later on. Um, but basically, this article was talking about how these companies, the CEOs of these companies, hired external third-party pen testers, and what a great idea it is, and how it helped them. Is there? And it made me wonder: Is there a an assumption in our industry these days? And this, anybody can answer this question, I guess. When we talk about a red team exercise, are we assuming, or is it assumed that that's a third-party engagement? Uh, primarily or, or is because it, it's sure it certainly seems that way the way i read some of these articles and things that, you know things we're talking about yeah no Anybody i think that's have? a good good question i think probably a, again i i, I think we, it sounds like most of us have been in this industry a long time so my my immediate jump is to is to a third party um engagement because most most enterprises or most most companies don't have an internal, you know, assessment team that or a pen test team or red team or ethical hacking team, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I think my my immediate, you know, gut reaction is, yeah, yeah, that's an external external assessment um, from a third party. But I think that 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 tide is shifting as it should. I think that more and more enterprises are hiring internal talent to be able to conduct some of those exercises. Um, and I think that that's important. I think having having the talent internally to be able to do that, as well as you know having having uh, an extra set of eyes periodically throughout the year, is important as well. Well, and you're touching you're touching on something that I think is interesting in terms of how this whole industry, as it were, is evolving. In that it sounds like, and I think we're all we we would all mostly agree to this that traditionally, the idea of red teaming blue teaming, you know, purple teaming is, uh, you know, the company against a third party, the company against an outsider. The blue team is the, you know, company, the red team is the outsider. And as that's evolving and changing, because it doesn't have to be, then my mind immediately jumps to, well, if both the red team and the blue team are internal, you know, company resources, doesn't that sort of, you know, then what is the red team? What is the blue team? Who's offense? Who's defense? It, it all gets a little bit jumbled in my brain, which may be why it's better to just call it purple at the end of the There day. you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. He answered his own damn question. Yeah. <laughs> damn, no. this is good whiskey. <laughs> Classic. Must be that Cheers. fresh beach air. <clears throat> it is. Um, Did you say Sam. bitch air? Beach oh, air. Got beach it. air. Okay. So, uh, Dan, how how important, and, and I'll give my opinion on this, is uh, the kind of breach and attack simulation tools? Because when we talk about purple teaming and then having a tool like PlexTrack, right, I think a nice complement to that, almost a requirement in my mind, is to have some type of breach and attack simulation software. For one, the blue team can iterate through the kind of standardized attacks that come with the frameworks, right? Then when you do a purple team exercise, you're going to iterate through some things and find conditions that, if, you know, fixed or not, you're going to want to test for moving forward. So coming out of that purple team exercise, the internal or external red team should be creating simulations for those attacks, putting them in the breach and attack simulation, customizing them, right? And then the blue team can continue to iterate over those when it finds something because we all know it's similar to, to software and DevOps, right? We all know that someone 
when something doesn't work, may back out a security configuration or back out a patch, right? Or open up a firewall rule to make something work. And you may not have a red team or a purple team exercise scheduled for, you know, three, six months. But since you've coded that into your breach and attack simulation software that runs every week, now you're going to come up there, a ticket's going to get opened, an issue's going to flow into PlexTrack and go, hey, nope, you guys, we open this up again, we need to close it back down. Am I just like in a utopian world right now? <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to speak it ideally. I, I agree. I think that's I think that's where we need to get to as an industry on the whole. Um, and just not knowing what you don't know, right, is 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 a is something that you need to always kind of be aware of. And that comes down to those daily hygiene type things. When it, excuse me, when I was building out a blue team, you know, my mantra has always been, and I and when I give talks to to organizations or whatnot, you know, I, um, especially with people that are just getting started kind of building out their cyber defenses. Um, everyone kind of tends to go to the reactive stuff. And, and we always kind of harp on like, it's, it's good. You got to be able to detect things that, that are happening in your environment, but you also can't spend all your time focusing on that because you'll never catch up to the proactive activities. And those breach and attack simulations are the proactive activities that you need to be doing. Um, you know, so my mantra was, you know, I, I went to a, the Naval Postgraduate School. So, you know, it's kind of a military school. And this is kind of where I picked that up is like, you know, when you're in the field, when you're in theater, you know, you're fighting while you're training, while you're fighting, while you're training. Right. So we're always in the we're always in this battle. Right. As a blue team. And so you but you do need to train to see if you're able to defend against these techniques as they come out. So uh, I think it's a vital piece uh, that that is is, I think, starting to progress. Right. In, in terms of how people start to build out their blue teams and hopefully you know we can all get to a more proactive state agreed uh, how does threat intelligence play into this um because i mean the the difference right is real attackers aren't going to do a purple team exercise with your organization, <laughs> right? Do you have the but, same agreement with the rest of the internet? Yeah, you may have uh, get a hold of some of their trade craft, right? And I think we've been really hard on threat intelligence, and I think what's been happening for a long time, where I think it's valuable, is I was telling you know, before the show I was reading, I can't believe I'd never read this book before, Kingpin by uh, Kevin Paulson. And, you know, essentially when... A law enforcement invades any kind of forum or underground and starts collecting intelligence about uh, vulnerabilities, threats, and malware that like haven't circulated in the public. If there's a, a, a mole in that organization, they're just funneling them out and signatures are created for them, threat intelligence is created for them. Then we can simulate and model those in our own network and basically do the purple team uh, without the attackers being present, right? Because we've gotten a hold of their tradecraft. I think that's a really valuable way to treat threat intelligence. Of course, it can expire pretty quickly. Uh, you know, people figure out that there's moles, and, and you know that's been happening for since the dawn of time, right? But certainly in security, it's been happening for a long time. It's nothing new. But where do you fall in kind of the threat intelligence aspect uh, as it plays into? Uh, purple teaming and also, you know, tracking all of this activity in PlexTrack? Yeah, no, great question. I think, I think threat intelligence is, is another one of those areas that can get kind of nebulous depending on who you're talking to, Yeah. Right? Um, you know, depending like, you know, from, from a military, you know, people, people that come from the military background, threat intelligence is a lot, a lot different data than, than other people might be getting. Um, I think where it's, it's important is the fact that, uh, there are things that are being exploited in the wild. And if you have 
that information at your fingertips, you can correlate it to the vulnerabilities or things that have been exploited on um, past or you know current pen tests um, or vulnerability scans, you know anything like that, and uh, you can then be able to say like, okay, yeah, we need to bump this in, up into priority because yep, this vulnerability was a medium or a low. But now, that because we have this chain of, of events you know, that, that are happening in the world, which is a daily thing, you know, we can we can start to uh, reprioritize what we need to be doing, uh, as well as being able to simulate those those new techniques and those attacks. Uh, so I think it definitely plays into that proactive mindset. Um, the the part I struggle with is is that you know when I was building on the blue team, getting those threat intelligence feeds always seemed to be kind of. Um, uh, challenging and, and, you know, you had a lot of vendors that had it kind of as their secret sauce. And so, um, I, I, and I, I, again, I, I'm not a threat intelligence expert, but I would hope that we're going to, going to get to a, a better state where that, that information is much freer. Uh, and, uh, you know, people can grab it, you know, without having to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for it. Right. Also, I, you know, some of the uh, reports I've read in the past, uh, there's not much difference between the threat intelligence feeds, right? Cause they're all, I mean, you're sniffing, you know, you've got taps across the internet, right? You've got a limited amount of sources. Like, there's only so many types of attacks. Like, in the malware is so, uh, like, basically borrows from each other, right, that the number of unique attacks is, is pretty finite. And so let's say you've paid for 12 feeds, right? Look at the data overlap in those 12 <laughs> feeds. The studies that I've read in the past say there's a significant amount of overlap in those feeds. Also, I think, uh, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Dan, uh, we talked about, you know, the maturity level, security maturity level uh, quite a bit when we did a lot of those roundtables. I think if you're looking at threat intelligence data and modeling attacks, modeling zero day, uh, you know, vulnerabilities and exploits, modeling malware that's really fresh and has just come out and hasn't been seen in the wild all that much, you're pretty high in the maturity scale, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think you have to model your purple teaming and all of your red teaming exercises in accordance with your maturity model. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there's no sense in in trying to get that advanced when you don't have like passwords, you know, the password policy strength and those kinds of things. And uh, so, yeah, it definitely is is kind of a crawl, walk, run uh, from from cybersecurity perspective. You know, we we say it all the time. At least in, in, when I was building the blue team, is like it's a marathon, not a sprint. And trying to trying to focus on what are the things you you really got to shore up quickly. Um, what are the processes and procedures that you have to have in place so that you can iterate quickly on your on your uh, maturity you know, growth? So, uh, yeah, threat intelligence, per, even even you know, to a degree, certain purple teaming and attack simulation can be more mature. But that's the that's the end goal is that we can bring that down closer to that crawl phase where it's like, hey, because we can go fast on some of the like you know within Plextrack we have the capability to do assessments and like self assessments and even framework based assessments. So you can at least start to get a, a, an idea and a feel for like where we should be starting, um, and then you know start to. Uh, you know, develop an action plan for like, okay, in the next 90 days, we're going to do this, right? And uh, it's very similar in my mind, maybe this is just the way I think, but like a software development lifecycle, mm -hmm. right? And, and iterating quickly, you know, from an agile, quote unquote, framework perspective. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, you said there were some new features in uh, PlexTrack that you wanted to highlight. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, so yeah, we've, we've, um, we've been, we've been working like crazy since, uh, since we last, since we last met, 
Um, so a um, couple of the a uh, couple of the new things that uh, that I kind of wanted to highlight is like I mentioned, you know, this is just a you know an import of a Nessus scan. Um, so um, just to kind of get some initial data in there, but uh, we have the capability now to to add tagging to findings and reports. Uh, you know, so you could say something like, um, let's say this was a, a lateral lateral movement, right? And and then that automatically tags that. So. So as you go through the, as you go through your reports, you know you can start tagging the findings for the different you know whatever you want. Really, it's a good way to categorize those things. Now, um, and then Dan, that, are you, are you tagging um, for the MITRE ATT&CK framework? You can, yeah. I mean, so so we we're big on that. So we include at least in our demo app, we include a lot of the tactics and techniques. So you could, um, but really, it's up to you how you want to organize your data. So I mean, I think we have you know something like here. Um, Oh, actually, no, that's not. Uh, Will you tag it automatically depending on the source? Like if a Nessus scan has or any other data you're importing has a tag for a MITRE ATT&CK um, uh, <coughs> framework item, uh, will it automatically tag it in PlexTrack or do you have to go in and, and add it? Um, yeah, I, so I, actually today we have to, you have to go in and manually tag it. But if, if, uh, if there are fields that start coming in from those sources, we'll definitely, we'll definitely add them. Cause I'm not sure I have to look back at the Nessus reports, but yeah, I'm not sure bringing, Nessus does. Yeah. That's a good if question. If they're bringing them in we should definitely add, we can definitely add them. Right. Gotcha. I mean, it's very simple. Yeah. So, but that, that, and that'll be nice too. And then being one thing we have on the, on the roadmap is to do, you know, bulk tagging of things. Right. So where you can do some bulk actions on, on these as well. Um, but uh, the nice thing is that, you know, that, so the things that you can tag in the platform now um, include clients. So if you have, if you have, um, let's see, so we go over to Paul Security Weekly client, right? Uh, and we can, uh, we can say like, let's say, you know, he's a healthcare, healthcare client, right? Um, now we can start to do analytics, um, you know, again, compare different clients or, you know, if you, if you are using it as a client portal, your clients themselves can start to get an, a feel of the benchmark for the different types of uh, tags, you know, if they're, if they're tagged as a healthcare client or whatnot. Hmm. Um, so you can tag clients, um, you can tag reports. If we come into reports here, you can, um, we can edit the report details and we can say, Hey, you know what, um, um, we're going to go ahead and tag this as a healthcare um, engagement as well. Um, some of the additional metadata, I can't remember if we had this in the last time, but you can select the different methodologies that you were using, um, the engagement types themselves, uh, as well as the operators who have, have been conducting the engagement. And then you can also tag findings, right? Um, and so, so then that, that lends to some enhancements that we've made in the analytics section. Uh, so if we wanted to come in and, and start viewing, um, you know, the clients that had healthcare, right, we can, we can select those and we can apply the filter here. And, and so then it starts to show, you know, these are all the, all the findings related to, you know, customers that have been tagged with healthcare, right? And so we can start to get that, you know, immediate prioritized view of the issues that we should start to be resolving. Uh, and so this is this is really, you know, the enhancement from the purple teaming perspective in that, you know, the, the red team are the ones that have generated these issues, generated these findings. You've been collaborating back and forth and the blue team can come in and start to see like, OK, we've got, you know, we've got these different reports that have this different distribution of findings. Uh, and so we can you know now have a have a bird's eye view of how to prioritize fixing those issues. And uh, when you say by client, that can also be like a department. 
right in your organization yeah, yeah exactly yeah so i mean if it's an if it's an enterprise customer you know uh, that could be a business unit that could be a subnet uh, so people break down the clients into you know those different kind of basically buckets right so it's just a, a way to organize the data um, so, so yeah, so we've, we've added a lot to the analytics sections, even being able to show trends and, and even like from, the, from the activities perspective, you know, you can start to say like, okay, um, how many issues have been reported in the last month? Um, so we can come in here and you can see, um, let's see, we got to select one more here and then, you know, we get all the, all the issues that were reported today. Right. So, uh, so this, this can, you know, you can backdate this as far as you want so that, say you are running one of those long-term engagements, uh, you know, your customers could come in or, you know, the, the blue team can come in and say, okay, well, how many issues, what changed in the last two weeks, right? And this will even report, you know, if, uh, if, the, if the status has changed, right? So if, if, if someone did come in and change the status from open to in process or closed it out, you can get that trending <clears throat> as well. One other nice feature that was, has been a, a common um, common request on the uh, well, actually, both the blue team and the and the red team perspective is being able to do some default actions when you are bringing in those Nessus or you know those other scan results. And so, what you can do is like let's say you know instead of getting you know a hundred <clears throat> some odd SSL findings or say like informational findings into a report. What you can do is, is basically go ahead and say like, okay, I want to um, anything that's marked as SSL, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just select all of these, and I'm either going to link them to a single write-up in the write-ups database, right? Something like this, um, and so then you know anytime these findings come in from that Nessus scan, they just map to this single finding. <clears throat> you can also do some other default actions like, hey, we know these are we know these are lows or informationals um, because they're in a different environment and air gapped networks. So you can say, okay, I want to change all those to informationals when they come in. Um, or you could just ignore them altogether and say like, I don't want to, I don't care about them. I don't want to see them. And so, so those are some, uh, those are some, uh, some new, nice new features that, that help a lot on the vulnerability management side too. Um, when, you know, you say, Hey, all of these plugin IDs for this, for this scan, just map them to this finding because this is how we report and track those that information. That's interesting. What what are some of the use cases for that, Dan? Is that like I don't have this technology in this environment or <clears throat> Yeah, so I think I think definitely the linking is 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 very popular where it's like, <clears throat> you know, we know we have SSL or TLS issues, right? Mm -hmm. I just use that as an example. And so Nessus may report like 50 findings related to SSL TLS issues. <clears throat> and so instead of sin instead of having to track 50 issues, I'm gonna track uh, you know, one, <laughs> you know, I just yeah. know that. These no, that's are... a great use case. Yeah. And that's a, that's a very, you know, having actually worked for Tenable, right. Uh, a very common request and problem with vulnerability scanners, right. Yeah. Is you do want to know all 50 individual things, right. Cause someone's going to want to go through those potentially. Right. Um, or you want to say, well, look like these, and some of these do it natively, but it's nice to have a universal tool that does it. I know that I need to go from this version of software to the next version of software, and I know there's about 50 things that will get fixed in that, so just treat that as one, not 50. Yeah. And then another use case, which is, is also pretty um, important to a lot of our customers, is like if I have, or like, you know, if you have 
say you're using Nessus, Nexpos, and Acunetics in, in your environment, yep. all those SSL issues from all those three different scanners, you want to just track to a single finding. So you can basically come into each scan result finding, let's say NetSparker, you know, and, and uh, we may not have many re- oh, SSL results. So, so like you can bring in and map and start saying, okay, I'm going to map that as well to the same, to the same, uh, you know, finding. And so now you've, you've really helped in your deduplication across different mm. scanners as well. That's uh, nice. so, uh, you know, and, and you have a lot more control over that. Some, some, some tools will try to automatically deduplicate if you bring them in and, and, you know, we're taking a little bit more, uh, you know, give the control to the master perspective here. So mm-hmm. uh, across the different scanners, you can you can dictate. Okay, all these findings are going to go to this uh, single write up in the write ups database, and it can be uh, you know across the different scanners. That's a, that's a really popular use case as well. Sweet. <clears throat> um, it sounds like then, you're lowering the bar a little bit, making things a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, this is you know, it's it's valuable from a tester's perspective because. Um, I may, maybe I, you know, like, you know, we, we as pen testers don't like say like, Hey, I'm just giving you a vulnerability scan, but we may use some of those scans. And instead of saying like, bring in all the results, it's like, only show me the criticals in the report and I'll then go adjust them. Or, you know, so, so we definitely have some customers where it's like, I don't want to see 99% of those findings that come in from the scanners. Uh, but I do want to see this one. Right. So they'll, so they they can use that to kind of, you know, sift the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then also on the vulnerability management side, the vulnerability management teams definitely like, hey, if it's in this, uh, you know, if, if I, basically all I care about right now because I'm so overwhelmed, I have so much noise, um, all the signal that I want are the criticals and highs. So for now, I'm just going to just delete the, the lows and mediums. I'm not a huge proponent of that, but like, mm-hmm. you know, now they have that flexibility, right? And so that they can say, I'm not going to bring in all this data or map it to certain other issues or even re- readdress the, uh, the the severity. So it's like, hey, we know this is an air-gapped network, so Tenable always calls this a critical, but we're gonna we're gonna bring it in as a low or a medium, right? So, right. so you're you're also able to re- remap the severity then? It, yeah, exactly. Uh, and maybe I didn't highlight that, um, but um, that's so, fine. I mean, I may have missed it. You may very well have. So, no, oh yeah, no, yeah, no, no worries. But yeah. Yeah, so you can uh, you can change the severity if you have if you have something selected. Yeah, can... so Dan, let's change all of the criticals to lows. Yeah, right. I mean, that's... Yeah. piece of cake. We're good, right? Our security is awesome. Oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> that's the well, that and that's the danger that's like with putting on my danger sensitive glasses it makes everything yeah. dark, right? But that's the danger with some of these features, right? And security teams really have to keep tabs as we rely on other groups. Uh, to to manage their vulnerabilities, manage their remediation, we have to watch out for some of those conditions, right? Sure. Oh, but, absolutely, yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean it, it, there are circumstances where that may, that could be true. There could be compensating controls. Uh-huh. There could be, you know, other things that just make that finding not critical at all, right? I mean, that doesn't happen. I think it's more the exception rather than the rule. Um, but, you know, doing that, of course, on a global basis for every critical is probably not realistic. <laughs> yeah, very bad idea. I mean, it's realistic in the tool, but... Yeah, not in yeah, practice. Not, not for your job, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's we great for attackers. That. I mean, attackers <laughs> love... They're, they're like, yes, go go do that. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of improvements... There, there should, at, 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 
I'm sorry. At the very least, you should have a little pop up that says, "Are you sure you want to recast this?" Sir? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that 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 actually is there. A, are there restrictions on who can recast the severity? Yeah, yeah. So this is this this is only available to the administrators of the tenancy themselves. So normal users cannot come in here and, <laughs> and adjust these. Yeah. So it is it is meant to be restricted. I'd like to okay. I'd like to recast Sferdy. Tell me I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there actually is a use case for this in PCI. I knew it was wrong. But but and and it's a it's it's a requirement that I don't think a lot of companies really take advantage of. Uh, it happens to be 6.1 where it says the companies need to come up with a risk ranking criteria. And, and it can be whatever. I mean, it needs to be realistic, but it gives you the opportunity, let's say, if, you're, if you've got a system that's you know seven layers deep in your network away from the Internet and the vulnerability that you've discovered on, uh, on, a, on, a, on a target is, a, is a, a critical vulnerability but requires Internet access for exploitation, it's okay to, to perhaps download that. Uh, uh, downgrade it or recast it. The the trick with PCI is you, you can't do that on the fly when you see the results. You're supposed to have the criteria sort of pre-published and pre-existing and, and agreed upon based on network architecture and you know what other other conditions you want to put into place. But most companies simply take the results that the scanner gives them and they and the, that they and they go with that. And, and I. I you know, so you got companies running around, you know, trying to fix vulnerabilities that maybe they don't have to, given the the topology or you know other protections that are in place. Yeah. Now, what we need is, and I think this does exist, um, is when you're classifying your findings from, let's say, vulnerability scanners as a class of findings, when a penetration tester or maybe a real attack happens, or maybe a threat intelligence feed shows that an attack happened on someone else's network, let's say. You put that into the system, it automatically goes and reclassifies your vulnerability scanning data and says, no, wait, a pen tester actually used all these vulnerabilities to compromise sensitive data. Yep. So therefore, when you reclassify those, that's invalid now because someone has proven that they can use those to yep. uh, sure. accomplish a certain goal. What right? is it? The load opponent scenario. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I agree with and I disagree with because Renault and I used to argue about this all the time when I was at Tenable, you know, uh, and I don't want to overstate his position, but, you know, he, he put a lot of faith in or he, he put a lot of his belief in uh, is, there, is there an attack in the wild? You know, is there a known attack that can exploit this particular mm -hmm. weakness vulnerability particularly when it comes up with cryptographic stuff and we argued about this mostly with the ssl tls thing uh, of a few years ago uh and 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 while it can be argued that yeah there aren't a whole lot of attacks against uh you know exploitation of weaker forms of ssl or early tls and would anybody do that just to recover one, you know, hypothetical transaction and one card number for all the computing power that's involved? I get that. My point with Renault was, yeah, but PCI actually points to NIST 
documentation is the is this is the source document for what's considered strong cryptography and NIST deprecated the the protocols so you know for our PCI customers for all of our customers when we're tenable that have to follow the NIST rules because they're government contractors they're federal you know they're federal entities don't we owe it to them to say no you shouldn't be using this kind of stuff so all that to say is that you know while the attack in the wild is a, a reasonable indicator i don't think it's the or shouldn't be the only indicator of whether you should classify something as critical or not no i agree there is these vulnerabilities have been exploited in my environment as they stand and are configured today go reclassify mm-hmm. there's the this happened right. in someone else's network that but that's not our network and we may have configured something differently right as is the case with ssl right there's like a in most open source software, I mean, God forbid we talk about microservices and uh, the way you can deploy <laughs> software there. I mean, there's so much configuration that just because it happened in someone else's network doesn't mean you're just as vulnerable. In that light, I definitely agree with you, Jeff. And but, it doesn't mean you're not, though. I mean, it, no, it's kind of like... No, that's true, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, you it hire a testing firm and, and they do or they don't break into your network. Mm. Are you secure? Right. Who knows? It just means that they didn't work. They didn't succeed. The question I had on 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 you know casting the risks down aside from who can do it, is there any sort of a, a review interval we could put in there that so it was fine this month, but in a year maybe it should be checked to see if it's you know mm, credible like or risk categorized or whatever. I've actually well, done that. Good. I've actually done that with some of our own vulnerabilities. I've set my own timeframes. I'm like. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I understand the vulnerabilities. I've looked at it and I understand the impact, but I need this much time, right? And I'm going to accept that risk for now. And maybe I could be wrong, right? But I need three months to fix this, right? I mean, that's just the way the cookie crumbles right now. Sorry, Dan? Oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, uh, so in terms of, in terms of like being able to do that today, no, we don't have a, we don't have like any kind of reminder to go back and look at that, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make a note. That's a good, good suggestion. Um, you know, a couple other improvements, um, the, in their assessments module, you can now, uh, save your progress before it just, as soon as you hit submit, it would, or save, it would submit and create a report. You can also add reviewers. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if, um, you know, you didn't want, uh, let's see, like Doe, John, yeah, David Crockett, right. So you can, if you didn't want, if you needed multiple people to be reviewing this, this assessment before it was, a, you had the ability to submit, you'll notice now that submit button goes away until someone, um, approves it. Um, and so, uh, you can also, you know, view those in progress assessments by, uh, you know, kind of seeing, you know, where the status is. <clears throat> and that's very handy for some of our customers that are doing more risk-based assessments um, or third-party risk management, where they send these questionnaires off to their vendors uh, and their vendors log in and, and maybe say, hey, we've got, you know, 100 questions, uh, 25 of them are John's, 25 are you know, Bill's, and the rest are, you know, mine. Uh, you can assign those, rev- those reviewers and make sure that the questionnaire doesn't get submitted until the end. Um, and then I know we're kind of running short on time. So one last, one last kind of thing to, to highlight is uh, the ability for um, adding um, arbitrary artifacts to the engagement. Um, so um, I won't, I won't you know, upload a file because I don't want to <laughs> waste time. But basically, you can now. This was a common request: uh, is that you know, hey, I have all this data from the engagement, but I don't 
don't necessarily want to get it into the report or certain things don't want don't deserve to be in the report but i do want to have those as as artifacts to either let the blue team review those later um, or if you know next year uh, another test comes along they can look at those artifacts from last year as well so um, so this is a nice kind of um, addition to the to the reporting function as well um, and I will throw out a teaser, like we're, we're, we're doing a release tonight and it, we're in final regression testing, so I won't, I won't dare do a, de a live demo, but uh, mm -hmm. um, we've got the asset management piece um, coming along to where you know, now it's not just a text field, but it's actually genuinely you know, an asset. Uh, so this is an example of one it, so that it's imported in um, and you can start to deduplicate um, findings. So however many times that's been reported in a report. Uh, you start to you know get get the instance count um, based on the asset itself. <clears throat> another another common uh, popular uh, request that you know we're ready to to deliver. So awesome, um, yeah, Dan. It sounds like you listen to your customers, which is really important. Uh, applaud you for that. Um, and Security Weekly listeners get uh, a free month by going to securityweekly.com forward slash plextrack. Which, yeah. I mean, if you're an internal or external red team, there's no reason for you not to be using the software. I think that quote's on their, on their website based on the first demo uh, that Dan and team uh, gave me. So uh, it's a fantastic tool uh, and, and constantly improving, uh, which is, which is you said you're in uh, regression testing. So fingers crossed that that all goes well. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. a new release Wasn't pushed. Good. And you can look for uh, PlexTrack coming up at RSA. Uh, you'll be at uh, Chris's conference, the Human Hacker Conference in Orlando, um, Wild West Hackenfest, uh, both of them. I think you said the, both the, the... Yeah, we'll be at both. Yeah, so we'll be in San Diego and Deadwood. That'll be fun. Right, and Black Hat as well. So uh, make sure if you're at those conferences, you go check them out. Awesome. Dan, thank you so much for appearing on Paul Security Weekly yet again. Hey, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you. it. And hey, with that, that uh, we'll take a short break and come back. <laughs> 